When I um, tell you the title of my message this morning, many of you will go ahead and turn your Bibles to where we will be. It's a passage of scripture that um, I looked it up and searched it three or four different ways through three or four different means. Um, I looked it up as uh, most popular. I looked it up as um, most recognizable. Uh, I looked it up as most familiar. Um, and every time, no matter how I searched it, what site I used to search it, whether I searched it through like a Google or if I went to a statistics, a Christian uh, statistics-based website and I would search it, it would always end up in the top three. This, this scripture would always pop up in the top three, no matter how I searched it. It's a very common scripture. We see it a lot. I've even had a feller tell me one time that he memorized the entire chapter, this whole scripture, by accident. He had seen it so many times and heard it so many times that one day he just realized he had memorized it. He didn't set out to memorize it. He didn't look to memorize it. It's commonly seen in places like uh, funeral homes and, and on that, uh, that little piece of paper that you get with the person's picture on it and there'll be a scripture either on the back or on the inside. It's commonly seen there. It's just so common that people accidentally memorize it. So the title of my message this morning is, The Lord is My Shepherd. The Lord is My Shepherd. Psalms 23. We'll read the entire thing this morning when we start off, but we won't go through the whole thing. Um, I'll break this up in at least two different messages. Um, this is something that um, I've been working on for a while. Kevin's been preaching for a little while. Feels like, like eight months or something, but it ain't really been that long. Um, it's only been a few weeks, but ever since um, I got out of the pulpit and started um, studying, this is, this is where I landed. So I've looked at this from 14 different directions, and I pray with all I got in me, and I ask you to pray with me that God not allow me to run rabbits this morning, that I'm able to stay on track with the things that um, he's pointed out for me to say this morning. So if you would, stand with me as we read Psalms 23, starting in verse 1. Psalms 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You may be seated. Chad, would you lead us in a word of prayer, please? Amen. Psalms 23, starting in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. Stop. 
Before we go any further, we need to know some things. We need to know some things um, about who said this, how familiar they are with what they're saying, the context in which they're saying it. All these things I've learned in how to study my Bible on Wednesday nights is I've learned how to ask myself questions about these scriptures so that I can go a little deeper into them and try to figure out exactly what's going on and not just the surface stuff, but to get beneath the surface. And that's really important when we're talking about these kinds of scriptures that are so familiar and we see them so many times and people are able to accidentally memorize them because they've been heard so much. Because it's easy for us to just skim across the top of them and get what's on the surface and miss the roots of what's really being said. The first thing I wanted to know is, who said this? Well, of course, it's David. Now, what he has said is, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. So I went to digging into the word shepherd. And here's what I found out. I found out that a shepherd's responsibility is probably one of the oldest professions or oldest responsibilities in the history of mankind. The shepherd's job has been around for a long, long, long time. The shepherd's responsibility was to provide, protect, and watch over the flock. It was the, these, these, we're talking about sheep when we're talking about shepherds. And the sheep is one of the most helpless animals in all of the animal kingdom. They're also, we'll just say, not the smartest. They're not good decision makers. They don't decipher things very well for themselves. In other words, if you leave them unattended, they will follow one another and they will just completely walk off the edge of the earth. And they'll all go. They're sheep. That amen come from a shepherd, by the way. <laughs> They're not very smart, are they, Rick? Rick's got a few at his house. So shepherd had to, uh, a shepherd had to be a person that was willing to live with these sheep. They had to be watched over 24-7. They had to be provided for. Everything had to be done for them. As a matter of fact, a lot of times as these shepherds would roam from field to field or from pasture to pasture, there would be houses or, or bunk houses, which was actually just a little shack made out of just enough to provide a roof. And these shepherds would sleep in these houses and sometimes the, the flock was small enough They'd bring them in there with them so that couldn't nothing get to them while they took a little shut-eye. They had to be constantly watched over. They had to be constantly looked out for. You couldn't leave them by themselves for not one minute or one of them would get in trouble. In order for the shepherd to know that he was completely and wholeheartedly taking care of his livelihood, this was somebody's livelihood. This was milk, meat, and wool for somebody. So this was either his own livelihood, his, most of the time it was somebody from the family who owned the sheep that took care of them. Most of the time it was the youngest son, most of the time. And they would take care, this was their livelihood. You couldn't take any chances with them. They had to be tended to around the clock. And in order for you to know that everybody's there, they had to have a personal relationship with each sheep. If one sheep squalled out, they had to know that that was their sheep. 
if one sheep wasn't acting exactly right, he had to be familiar enough to know that there was something wrong with it before it was too late and the sheep died. Instead of just getting up one morning and going out there and go, whew, well, three of them died. That's three less than the herd. They couldn't afford that, so they had to be on top of things. Now, who knows better about the responsibilities of a shepherd than a shepherd, right? David has made this analogy. Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16, 1 Samuel 16, 11. Now this is, let me make sure I got this story right. Saul is dead. Samuel has been sent to anoint the new king. And he's been sent to the house of Jesse. And Jesse has, has brought out his, his sons. And God told Samuel, as, as he passes before you, I'll tell you that that's him. And Jesse has paraded his sons in front of Samuel. And Samuel's going, God ain't said nothing. This ain't, the, I mean, nobody's sticking out to me. And here's where we are in 1 Samuel 16, 11. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest. And there he is. Where? Come on, Mark. Is there more to the Oh, thank you, Lord. Praise. I knew I wouldn't. I know that I had missed it that bad. There he was. Where? And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring for him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. David is off tending the sheep. What would that make him? A shepherd. David's the guy that wrote this. Now I want you to notice something else too. This is going to play into this later on down the road. David got anointed king three different times. That was the first one. He was a young guy. It happens a couple more times throughout the reign. This psalm was written before David received the crown. Boy, that's big to me. This psalm was written before David received the crown. He's been told he's going to be king three different times. But before he's actually become king, he's wrote this. And you know what it says? The Lord is my shepherd. He's saying the Lord is my caretaker. The Lord is my provider. You know what that tells David? He can't lose. Crown or no crown, he will never fail. Because he believes with all he's got in him that God is exactly who he says he is. And he looks up and goes, God is, the Lord is my shepherd. The creator of the universe is my shepherd. It's a big statement. It's coming from a shepherd so he knows clearly and understands vividly the responsibilities of a shepherd. I think we should stand up and listen a little closer when the shepherd calls God his shepherd. Right? Because he has a clear understanding of the responsibilities and the duties of a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, David said. Look at, um, go to 1 Samuel 17, 15. Now this is a pretty popular scripture as well. This is a story of David and Goliath. The Philistine has stood on the hill and proclaimed his stake and goes, Y'all send y'all's best, we're going to send me, and I'm going to whoop whoever you send. And everybody's standing over on Israel's side, shaking in their boots and scared to death. And here comes little David. Let's see where he came from. 
David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. So that's twice we've seen David doing what? Being a shepherd, tending to sheep. David is a shepherd. He understands the need here. He understands the responsibilities of the shepherd. The oldest profession, one of the oldest professions. In order for him to protect the herd, he must know each one personally. He has to. Back up. Provide, protect, and watch over. David understands that to protect these sheep, he must be willing to die for them. This is the family's livelihood that he's watching over. And he has to be willing to lay it all on the line for these sheep, just as Christ did for his sheep in John chapter 10, verse 11. I am the good... This is Jesus talking now. I am the good... Boy, y'all are sleeping on me this morning. Kind of breaks my heart. I thought y'all would be excited. I was up here since it's been a little while. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Now David has claimed, the Lord is my shepherd. I need you to really fully, wholly understand what David is proclaiming when he makes that statement. I need you to completely understand that David is making a claim that should make you and I very proud this morning. That you and I should be proud to stand up and go, the creator of all things is my shepherd. Because what I'm going to be provided for, it ain't nobody else can compare. What he's going to do for me, I don't have to worry about certain things in life because of this. I don't have to, I don't have to worry about where my next meal's coming from. I don't have to worry about what's going to happen to me. I don't have to worry about the basics of life because God is my shepherd. He's going to watch over me. And you know, we're a lot like sheep. We don't make good decisions. If you don't keep your eye on us, we'll walk off the edge of the earth. As a matter of fact, many times I refer to our society as sheeple. We are sheeple. We are. We'll follow real quick. We'll get excited and start tearing stuff down, if you know what I mean. We won't look at the repercussions. We won't look at what's going to come in the future from our actions today. We're a lot like sheep. We'll just get in a bunch and we'll just start heading in a direction. And if it's to the ends of the earth, then that's where we'll fall. We ain't good at making our own decisions. We ain't good at sometimes providing for ourselves. Somebody's got to do something for us all the time. We're a lot like sheep. It's a good thing we have a shepherd. <laughs> it's a real good thing that we have a shepherd. Now, in order to protect the herd, he must know each one personally. David had to be familiar with each individual sheep in his herd. He had to have a personal knowledge of each sheep. Listen to me, sheep. 
our shepherd has a personal knowledge of each one of us. If we're in his fold, he knows that we belong to him and we know that he's our shepherd. Look at this. John chapter 10. No, no, start at Luke 15. I'm sorry, Mark. Luke 15, 4. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? Jesus speaking. If one of his sheep is lost, <laughs> he'll leave all the rest to go get that one. That sounds personal to me. Real personal. First of all, he has to know that I'm in that fold in order for him to realize that I'm lost, right? He has to be willing to sacrifice the other 99 in order to come get me. That sounds personal. Very, very personal. Now you next one, Mark. John 10, 1 through 5. I am the good shepherd. Whoop. After these things, the Lord appointed... <laughs> Seventy others also, and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place. Hey, Mark, try John chapter 10. Sorry. I, that's on me, brother, I know. I'm out of practice, y'all. But that's what was supposed to make y'all excited. You go, well, heck, you know, tell them what old Nickel do? He ain't been up here in a few weeks. We better not miss this. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the shepherd, the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens the sheep, hear his, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Are y'all getting this? And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will be by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the strangers. Now, this is, uh, this is Christ talking in metaphorically. And he's talking about being the good shepherd, right? And he's talking about the knowledge that the sheep have of the shepherd's voice. And he's talking to these people who know and understand what a shepherd is and what it's like to be a shepherd. You and I must know and understand that the personal relationship Christ desires to have with us, that God desires to have with us through Christ, is for our benefit. It's so that we can get to know his name. We got into discussion this morning in Sunday school. I wish you all would have heard it. Y'all didn't get up early enough. But anyway, now that you're here, I'll tell you. But next week, if you was already here, it'd save me a little time, if you know what I mean. I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Trying to be smart. <laughs> Christ knows his personal sheep. I remember now. And his sheep recognize his voice. We must be able to discern when Christ has called us or spoke to us to do something. 
because the adversary, the, our adversary, the devil, has a desire to whisper in our ears and send us astray. Right? And if you haven't had enough conversation with your shepherd to recognize his voice, you might fall for that. Amen? But if you have spent time under the voice of your shepherd, you will recognize his voice and you won't follow a stranger's voice. Right? Are you with me? The Lord is my shepherd. His next statement, now, and you really need to understand that part of things, that the Lord is my shepherd, the creator of all things, the one who tells the oceans where to stop and the stars where to stand, he's my provider. He's the one that watches over me. He's my protector. He's my shepherd. The next thing David says, it's still in verse 1, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, therefore I shall not want. Does that mean, does that tell me that no matter what I want, God's going to provide it? Absolutely not. Please don't believe that. What that means is, is because God is my shepherd, I won't want for anything. I can be content wherewith what I have. You realize that Paul wrote those words about being content while he sat in prison? Really? I shall not want. I won't have any need to want because the Lord is my shepherd. Everything I need will be provided. Now, there's a big difference in a need and a want. Y'all understand that, right? Y'all are past the sixth grade. You ought to. There's a big difference in a need and a want. I think uh, Awanas requires, pretty sure it's in one of their books where they have to make a list of needs. I think Montana just did that here not long ago. Past books, like book two in TNT, something like that. Anyway, when you put that list before kids and go, okay, tell us your needs. And of course, food will make the list. Sometimes they'll think of water. Sometimes they'll think of a house. They'll think of a bed. And you got to stop them and go, some of those ain't needs. Believe it or not, some of the basic things you just wrote down are wants. Are you able to sustain life without a bed? That means it's not a need. Are you able to sustain life without a house? That means it's not a need. So I'm not talking about God providing our wants. I'm talking about God providing our needs, which are the basic essentials for life. Basic essentials I don't have to worry about. Basic essentials I don't have to trouble myself with. 
Because God's going to provide those things. I can concentrate on bigger and better things. I shall not want. David knows that because the creator of all things is his shepherd, he can know that he is cared for. Everything he needs will be provided. Everything he needs will be provided. Sometimes you and I think that we know what we need and sometimes we begin to get this distorted image in our minds of what we need. Go with me to Matthew 6, 8. Matthew chapter 6, verse 8. Matthew chapter 6, verse 8. Now this is Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray, how to act. And he's giving them an example of the um, hypocrites. And that's why it starts off in verse 8, it says, Therefore do not be like them. That he's talking about the hypocrites. And if you go back and read uh, 5 through 7, you'll, that'll make a little more sense to you. But the part I'm wanting to get to comes after that. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. The Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask Him. I'd say He's pretty, pretty well aware of your needs, right? Go to Philippians 4.19. And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. My God shall supply all your need according to His riches. Not according to your abilities, not according to your riches, according to His riches. He'll supply all your needs. Now, we have established that David, no doubt about it, is a shepherd. David is the one who's made this comment and he has said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Because God is who he says he is, he will do what he says he will do and I will not have want. And he gives some examples in the following verses. Verse 2, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Remember, you're a sheep. What's the most important thing to you? Food. Green pastures, that's where you're going to sleep. He's going to provide to the point that not only do you have plenty to eat, you can lay down in it. That's an abundance. That's a sign of abundance. Keep going. He leads me beside the still waters. There's food and water are covered. Still waters, by the way, crystal clear. You can see the bottom. No need to freak. You know, sheep will sometimes freak themselves out over things that don't really exist. And that because sheep follow one another, it don't just have an adverse effect on one, it affects the whole bunch. So, so if the sheep walks up to muddy water, he may be thinking there's an alligator in here, there's an alligator in here, and then a stick floats by and he goes, ah! and takes off running and runs off a cliff and the whole, the whole, the whole flock just went with him. Right? The clear waters 
where you can see the bottom and don't have to be freaked out about nothing. Don't have to be nervous about it. Don't have to wonder what's in it. He ain't even thinking about alligators. You know why? Because it's still water. It's clear water. It's water you can see the bottom in. There's no trap. There's, there's no deceitfulness. There's nothing involved with this except green pastures and still waters. I'm getting close. Y'all bear with me. Some of y'all ain't going to make it. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. He restores my soul, and he leads me in the paths of righteousness. Now, you see that, that um, David has kind of took a little bit of a turn, right? He went from a description of animals in the field. Now he's gotten a little bit more personal, and he's talking about his soul. He restores my soul. You realize that to this point, David's made some mistakes, right? And even though he was a man of God, described in Scripture as a man after God's own heart, he, he messed up some. He had some flaws. And he needed restoration. He gets that from this shepherd. And he leads me in the paths of righteousness. And David goes after he's restored me and after I, he's, I've gotten back to where I'm supposed to be, if I'll just pay attention to my shepherd, if I'll just listen to the voice of my shepherd he will lead me in the paths of righteousness. You know what righteousness is? Righteousness is right standing with God. So if I will get familiar with my shepherd who has a desire to provide me all the food I can eat, to give me all the water I can drink, to meet the needs that I have, that is willing to go out of his way to restore my soul, if I'll just listen to him and if I'll just follow him, then where I'll remain for the rest of my time is in right standing with him, in righteousness. He leads me there. He desires for me to be there. And why? Why? Not for me. Not, for, not just for my benefits. For His name's sake. You see, you can tell how good a shepherd is by looking at his flock. Right? Y'all get that, right? You understand that if a shepherd... Don't pay attention, these sheep get off course and they get into things they ain't supposed to get into and they'll come in to be sheared with their, their wool all matted up. It'll be full of cuckaburros and stick tights and all that stuff. But for the shepherd who is well taken care of his flock, each sheep will walk into the shearer with the whitest, purest wool you've ever seen. See, you can tell how good the shepherd is by looking at how well the people are taken care of. I don't know if any of you could do it this morning, but I could stand up here for a couple hours and tell you of the great things that God has done just in my life. So you can tell how good the shepherd is by how well he does what he says he's going to do and takes care of his sheep. So if you happen to be going down these paths and you get off course, maybe somehow, someway, you can get back to your senses and just remember just the things that God has done in your life. And remember how easy it was to get off track. 
Sunday school this morning was talking about taking the gospel to people that may be what we consider hard cases. They've gotten way off track. Maybe they ain't never been on track. And I explained to my folks that ain't near one of us no more than about two bad decisions from being exactly where they at. Me included. I pray that you understand this morning what David is crying out to us. The Lord is my shepherd. I will not want because the creator of all things is my caretaker. Because there's a lot of things we come up against in this world that cause us fear, that cause us to back up, that cause us to make us step backwards. When if we would just remember that the creator of all things is my shepherd. And if I'm following him, there's nothing for me to fear. Got to go with it. Just obey. Just be obedient. Just be obedient. 